everybody. Welcome. Welcome to another week. Welcome to Thanksgiving week. I love Thanksgiving. I really do. I love Thanksgiving a lot. It has, um, I always loved time off when we were in school and all that. So, hey, I'll take Thanksgiving and it always means that Christmas is ahead of it. But that's still what is what I love about it this time around too in adulthood is, uh, it's just as big of a holiday as far as the world stopping, at least over here in America. And you just get people together and you get to uh, go and just plan some good social stuff. And it's all about food. It's not so, there's not such a heavy focus on gifts or anything like that. No real financial burden in that respect. And, uh, and it's just chill. It really is. And then you have, and then you know that Christmas is looming in the background. That's always the best part. It's just, you feel, you feel almost like in, encapsulated. It's like, it's like Thanksgiving is wrapped up and enveloped in Halloween and Christmas on either side of it. So it's a really cozy holiday. So uh, anyway, that's just, that's what's going on this week. I go pick up my turkey tomorrow from the farmer. And then, well, Thursday is what it is. I have to go buy, I'm, I, I deep fry it now. We've got the deep fryer that you can use inside the house. That, that, that was not safe 10, 15 years ago. But uh, now it is, and it worked out great. I tried it for the first time last year, came out beautiful. And uh, my mother picked up an air fryer along the way. Somebody just gave her an air fryer, little this little boxy thing. So I'm going to uh, combine both forces, and I'm going to deep fry the, the turkey, and then remove the skin, and then air fry the skin to get it nice and crispy, and create a different, a separate side to see how that all works out. And uh, and I will report, I will report back to you on on it all on Friday, on Black Friday, as we're here, me. Hopefully Matt and Tony Black and maybe even my mom. She's usually hanging out with uh, Tony for those nights anyhow. So uh, that'll be good. I have a lot of interest, funny stuff already set aside for Friday. We are revisiting the how many third graders can you take in a fight topic big time. Because I went and I, I looked to see if I could find any of those old threads. And I found, I didn't find the Facebook group that I was in however many years ago in 2007 or something like that but i did find a seven-year-old reddit thread that is it's just jam-packed full of hilarious entries so we're going to do that among other things on friday to really just um enjoy the rest of thanksgiving week and tonight is going to be great. I've got two guests on with us tonight. In the first half, Sal Greco is going to stop by for a few minutes, give us an update not only on his personal situation, which is, you know, direct confrontation with the city of New York and Eric Adams, but also Eric Adams has a lot of issues going on right now, including with the FBI. So I want to ask him if, if in his estimation, any of the problems that Eric Adams is having right now is political, because even though he's a nut, and he does have a lot of legitimate uh, ties to, you know, organized crime and all that other stuff. There is, um, 
there's still there's still a lot of a lot of pushback against what's going on with the federally funded migrant trafficking operation that has been really off chosen New York as its main offloading point. So I just wonder if any of his criticisms about what's being done with the uh, the migrants is actually causing him problems with the FBI. But I'll, I'll pose that to to Sal. Then when we're done, that should only be about maybe 15, 20 minute segment. Um, then we're going to go on a break. We're going to we're going to jump off, get back over to quite frankly TV to pill.net for the second half. All those links are in the description below, and uh, I also tweeted them out as well. But um, in the second half, Jim Lee is coming back on Climate Viewer, the Climate Viewer, and he wants to talk about. Um, well, I saw him talking about Larry Fink, BlackRock, and what he says could be a one of the biggest economic bubbles to come up and burst and that is all the esg loans that are going to be called on soon and um that uh, he says this is the reason why larry fink is not uh, even saying esg anymore which is incredible because we were just listening to that that was still going strong as little as uh as uh, early as i don't know it was still going on earlier on this year Anyway, we're going to talk about that. I also want to ask Jim Lee about the exit of Dutch Sense and the the earthquake tracking and his um, his exit from all the live streaming and the tracking of earthquakes and other geological situations going on. Um, because as Dutch had said, that he was contacted by law enforcement to cease his operations. And I just want to see what Jim thinks about that because they're both uh, they're, they both are pretty well known in their respective circles between atmospheric and geological uh, streaming and information and all that so I just and, and, and I, I think they have a, a past I don't know how healthy a past it was but worthy of a question and we'll see where it goes now I also want to talk a little bit about what's happening in or what happened in Argentina and even though we'll go through a couple of our a couple of headlines and some clips tonight Really, on um, tomorrow night, I think I want I want to get my buddy Marcel to call in. Marcel is one of the smartest people I know, and he hasn't been on the show in a long time. Uh, anarcho capitalist, truly, and anarcho. That this is where I started learning it all from. Okay, uh, my buddies from Tumblr from back in the day. Marcel's one of them, but he has he's all grown up. PhD kicking ass and I'd love to talk to him about what he's seeing coming out of Argentina whether or not this is uh, on the up and up of course there's already people saying hey this um, this uh, this guy Millet Javier Javier Millet he's on the WEF radar um, could it possibly be mind control could it be mental illness? Could it be the CIA? Anything central intelligence related? You just never know with South America. But, I mean, dropping, dropping terms like anarcho-capitalist. I mean, uh, some, of the, some of the media didn't even know how to, how to, how to pronounce it. Anarcho-capitalist. Anarcho-capitalist. They don't even know how to pronounce it. I mean, this is just some stuff that you get deep in the internet. And I'd love to talk about that with uh, with Marcel, so hopefully I can get him on for a few minutes tomorrow. Anyway, uh, let's jump into it, shall we? Yes. All right. 
All right, real quick, I want to thank everybody. I uh, thank my sponsor tonight. That's that is bluemonsterprep.com. Everything is holiday-centered right now. Whether you're giving yourself a gift or somebody else, just go bluemonsterprep.com and check out. Give somebody the gift of a sleeve of food, especially an outdoorsman in your life. You have an outdoorsman in your life? Anybody? An outdoors woman? Go ahead and get them something that they can add to their go bag, to their their uh, just whatever. From first aid to water filtration, on the road doesn't matter. Get it all in their possession and get ready for 2024 because you just don't know 2023 was crazy enough and there wasn't a big election going on now we're going heading down another home stretch another home stretch and then go and check out everything else that's on the affiliates page on quite frankly.tv including the new newly launched quite frankly merchandise thank you rise attire beautiful i got myself a couple of shirts they haven't come in yet but i can't wait for them can't wait my mother bought uh shirts at the wrong store i don't know how she even found the old merchandise store link the teespring she found the teespring link i think it was it was still in the that's right it was still in the description below a show from last week it's like how did you even look no to go there i said go to the website hit the merch tab so she has two old shirts coming in now i'm, I'm gonna have to get her some new stuff Anyway, that happened. There's so much over there. Go take a look at it. Uh, coffee, gold, silver. Stuff all your stockings right on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. All right, here we go. Into the grab bag. Did you know that, yeah, you did know that Jimmy Carter is still alive. And Rosalind is dead. His wife of 77 years died over the weekend. And he was the one in hospice for the last, well, I don't know, six months now. And a lot of the stories that are written about uh, his wife's death completely glosses over the fact that that he has been pretty much, he's given up treatment for whatever's going on with him, and he's 99 or something. It's just incredible. Just incredible he keeps on ticking. But... We're talking about men and women in their late 90s, so we can only be so lucky to live that long and be, you know, independent, of course. You could just be a pile of goo at 98 years old, and what the hell's the point? Oh, here's another thing from Axios. I'm sure you see it. The Supreme Court, they declined to hear Derek Chauvin's appeal of George Floyd murder conviction. No, we got exactly what we needed. No refunds. That's exactly... That's what the federal government has given us now. No refunds. We got what we needed. Why it matters. The court decision means that Chauvin's district court conviction and prison sentence of over 22 years will stand. Over 22 years. Chauvin's lawyers had argued he was denied his fair right to a trial because of pre-trial publicity and public safety concerns in the event of an acquittal. Of course he was. Of course he was. No doubt about it. You had the president, you had the director of the CIA giving their political opinions on what was going on out there. He, there was no courtroom on the planet. You couldn't go to the South Pole and have that be unbiased. And then on top of the fact that, uh, that George Floyd was dying of a drug overdose, and uh, the, I mean, it's just, man, 
22 years. 22 years. Don't get caught in that cro- in that uh, in the the crosshairs. That's really what it's all about. And speaking of getting cross caught in the crosshairs, we're starting to see more and more people um, taking a dip into these January 6th security camera footage stockpiles that are up there. And it, it's just more of the stuff that you'd expect. It's not going to be groundbreaking as far as anybody who's was, you know, smart enough and had a clear enough conscience to know exactly what January 6th was. Again, like I said, like I said Maybe on Friday or Saturday morning, the real issue that we have here are the judges. Speaking of Derek Chauvin and everything else, they are the the real, they are real scum. When you think of the long line of scummy people that have had to coordinate to make this thing stick, that have had to exaggerate with blinders on, what happened that day to make this so hysterical and to justify the kind of things that were that are still being done to American citizens is unreal. The years in jail that have been given to people who weren't even there that day. And DC Drano, here's an example of it. DC Drano shares this. He says, does anyone else get the feeling the guy getting uncuffed was an undercover FBI, a Fed or a cop uh, probably there to instigate violence, got arrested for being too rowdy, told the cop he was undercover, and the cop cut him loose where he thought nobody could see. Take a look at this, 48 seconds long. It's really something. So you have a handcuffed individual brought in, you know, down a, a side hall, and a Capitol Police officer and somebody else, who's obviously a Fed, working there on the grounds, uncuff him. I believe that there's a little bit of a fist bump. There you go. There's a fist bump. Go ahead. There you go. Go out that way. The exit's that way. Now, is there any alternate explanations for things like this that we're seeing now? Sure. I'm sure there there's a possibility, but probably not. Probably not. And, um, man, everybody on that January 6th committee should be, should be arrested, arrested and given so many years, all of them, but you can't, you can't arrest them all. Who will watch the watchers? They say, all right, well, that's all for right now. Let's get started. We'll be right back on the other side of the intermission. And please, if you have a chance, no matter if you're watching live or on the man, hit the share button. Hit the share button and let's uh, let's bring more people in for the party. We will be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! 
welcome. So much to do. I didn't. I, I I was trying to bring on my friend Marcel tonight. That would have been three guests, and I said no. People wouldn't. That just been too much, because all of them would have been really good conversations, and I don't know if I would be able to even hold it to 15 to 20 minutes, especially when it comes to trying to understand what was going on in places like Argentina. You know, it's a far off land. What do we know about that place? Oh, oh I mean, I have actually, I have a pretty strong connection to Argentina, actually. My mother's mother was born in Buenos Aires. Um, you know, very, uh, there's a, there's a large amount of Italians over there. And it was uh, m- mostly a, a migration to Argentina and especially along the shoreline for all those longshoremen um, in Italy looking for other employment opportunities and moving around. And anyway, and that's, that's where my grandmother was born. And then she came over through Ellis Island. And it's, uh, that's my connection to Argentina. So maybe they'll take me in when things really get bad over here. <laughs> All right. Well, there's one other thing I want to do real quick. I want to just say before we get into that, I said a thank you earlier on in the day because I put the I put the the book club sessions for The Godfather live today. It's in a playlist on YouTube and it's also on a podcast playlist hosted on SoundCloud. So you're able to get the podcast and you're also able to get the video playlist all there on YouTube and you can now read along for, you know, all time and actually access the forum. You can read what people were contributing to each individual session in the forum. You can respond after the fact. It doesn't matter. They're all active threads. And there you go. And that completes 2023's book club. So I just want to say right here another big thank you to everyone who participated in the book club this year it was the first full year of doing this uh we read five books with four brilliant co-hosts and i want to thank them all uh we did in january of 23 the great divorce by c.s lewis thank you timothy gordon for being the the uh, co-pilot on that one brave new world aldous huxley jay dyer that was in march in um in june it was a real amazing summer treat. Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella. It's the source material for what became Field of Dreams. And I did that with Charlie Robinson of Macroaggressions Podcast. And it that, that was a beautiful read. Beautiful read. I really appreciated that one. And The Devil in the White City. That was in August. Okay, that was with Lindsay Sharman. And then The Godfather. Mario Puzo, Jay Dyer returned, and that was it, 2023. I have a special announcement to make, though. I have everything mapped out for 2024 except for next October. I'll figure that one out. I was thinking Mary Shelley Frankenstein, but I don't know. So don't don't quote me on that one. But I have some books for you to buy. Are you ready? I'll get this list out in other ways, too. Here's what we're going to be doing. I don't, I don't have co-hosts picked out just yet, although I have a couple... I have one that I want, I have two that I think I would want to bring back for these. In January of 2024, we are going to be reading Lucifer's Hammer. That is a post-apocalyptic classic at this point. Uh, That'll probably go from first week of January to the second week of February. It's about 600 pages, but it's a goodie. Okay, Lucifer's Hammer. 
in March. We're going to start on March 25th. That's Easter week because Easter's on March 31st this year. Um, on in March, going until the end of April, we're going to be reading the robe. I told you about that. That's a story of the Roman soldier who cast lots for uh, Jesus's robe at the crucifixion, and he won it. And throughout the course of the book, he's trying to find out more about this Nazarene that, uh, you know, that everybody was talking about, and he had won this garment and all this stuff. And it, it, it'll go perfectly with the, uh, the movie, and we'll talk about that too. That I would love to have Timothy Gordon come back on for. Then in June of 2024, this was recently suggested by a member of the audience, and I fell in love with the idea, and when I read into the book, I had to get it. And it's a Ray Bradbury book. It's called Dandelion Wine. And I said, this is going to be, a, it's a 230-something page book, but it's all about, it's so, it, it already came in, so I'm looking at the prose a little bit, and it's written so beautifully, and it's about this, summit, like this, this, I don't know, this, this beautiful, beautifully retold memories of this summer in the 1920s, and it's really just a summary, feel-good, beautifully written story. And that's going to be for June. Dandelion Wine by Ray, Ray Bradbury. In August of next year, I'd like to have Lindsay Sharman come back on for this because she suggested it. We're going to read The NeverEnding Story. So... um and I'll let you know the days. It'll be Monday Monday nights. And all of the book clubs now, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to start at 9 p.m. Eastern time when this show ends. So we won't be cutting the show, uh, the 7 o'clock show short anymore for, for book club. So that's what we're going to be doing. 9 p.m. from now on, the days may fluctuate. They're mostly going to be on Mondays. And um, there you have it. I'll let you know when October 2024 is settled upon. Also... Starting this week, but because it's a short week, because it's a short week, we're, uh, you know, it's not going to, it'll stretch into next week. All the Super Chats that we get on, quite frankly, superchat.com, I'm going to compile those and we're going to give away um, The Godfather, my version of The Godfather, Mario Puzo with all my notes and stuff. So we'll do that. And then next year, we're going to learn how to auction these things off because I know there's a lot of you out there that really want the books. And I want to see. Uh, I want to see how badly you do want them. All right, all right. With that being said, oh, did you see Joe Biden? He's he, he's talking more and more like Jigsaw. Of course, when you bring him out for a public appearance and has anything to do with children, he's always going to make your skin crawl. The guy's such a fucking creep. But um, he, he, his voice, he does this thing where he sounds like Jigsaw from Saw now, more and more. Take a listen to this. He says, uh, by the way, I like kids better than people. I wish I can stay and watch Wonka with you, but I'm not going to get to do that. And by the way, I like kids better than people. I like kids better than people. You want to play a game? I wish I could stay and watch Wonka with you, but I'm not going to get to do that. No, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he was really upset about that, too. Can you imagine watching Willy Wonka with Joe, Joe Biden? Oh, man. So there you go. President Jigsaw is uh, is just he's just being paraded around doing his thing. And then we have President-elect Javier Millet down in Argentina. 
He vows the end of Argentina's decline. This is from uh, Yahoo News. So if it sounds a little frantic, and all of the reporting on this is frantic, it's, it's going from this is a joke to this is literally Hitler, because that's really the only scale that they operate on. Libertarian outsider Javier Millet swept the victory in Argentina's presidential election on Sunday, vowing to halt decades of economic decline in a country reeling from triple-digit inflation. The self-described anarcho-capitalist pulled off a massive upset by ousting the populist Peronist coalition, which had uh, long dominated Argentine politics. With 55.7% of the vote, Millier thumped his rival, economy minister Sergio Massa, who won 44% of the vote and rapidly conceded defeat. That's 12%. That's approximately 12%. That is a thumping. I just thought they, they counted this all in one night. How is that even possible? Uh, today begins the reconstruction of Argentina. Today begins the end of Argentina's decline, Millier said in his victory speech. The model of decadence has come to an end. There is no way back. Latin America's third biggest economy has suffered decades of crisis, uh, decades of crises under the interventionist government's big, uh, big on welfare that resort to printing money to finance spending, fueling inflation while borrowing heavily only to default on their, de- on their debts. Access to dollars is strictly controlled, leading to a thriving black market for greenbacks, and analysts warn that peso is ripe for sharp devaluation. There is no room for gradualism or half measures, says Millier. So now that is the thing that gets me. I wondered, you know, how gradual is it going to be? Because when you have, when you have a country that is this steeped in this kind of operation, if your economy is so controlled, how the hell do you just rip the Band-Aid off? Because I'm sure that that means that there's a lot of dependents out there that are going to are wondering, all right, well, how are we going to get back on our feet and how do we subsist if everything is we've been taken care of to this point? You know, how do you really rip that Band-Aid off? A, a course correction after all those years is always going to be messy. But there's no room for gradualism or half measures. Millier's main platform has been planned to ditch the ailing peso for the U.S. dollar and dynamite the central bank to do away with the cancer of inflation. To ditch the peso for the U.S. dollar? How are you going to... Di- I mean, well, uh, we're not in that much better shape, but I, maybe, maybe, who knows, the illusion of better shape? So now here's a little bit I want to show for you, just if you don't remember what's going on. I remember we played this a couple of months ago when Robert Sepper took a two-minute clip of Millier in a recent uh, appearance on the media that he had made. And he did a voiceover for this conversation that was going on when Millier went after the leftists and the, the, uh, the, uh, the collectivists in, in the country and was just on television saying that they're shit, using that word, and I loved it. And I said, this is great. Whoever the hell he is, this is refreshing. I like when people talk like this. Does he have a podcast? Anyway, take a listen to this. You'll hear the voice you're hearing is Robert Sepper doing the voiceover from the yay. This is months ago. You can't give shit leftards an inch. Can you define shit leftist? All collectivists, all kinds of collectivists. 
But why do you call them shit? Because they are shit. If you think differently from them, they will kill you. This is the point. You can't give shit leftists an inch. If you give them an inch, they will use it to destroy you. You can't negotiate with left heart. <laughs> right. You don't negotiate with trash because they will end you. If they, the left, have a guy that beats his wife off, if it's one of them, he puts on the green scarf pro-abortion and yells about neoliberalism all the time, and they hide it. If suddenly there's a journalist that molests another journalist, they hide it. When it's one of them, they hide it. They hide all of those aberrations. Now, if you're on the other side, they will ruin you. They'll kill you. They will throw you everything. They don't care if they ruin your whole life. Why? Only because you don't think like them. And do you know what's the good part in all of this? Because since to err is human, since everyone can be mistaken, they force us to be better. And since we're getting better than them, since we're crushing them in the cultural battle, we're not only superior economically, we are morally superior. We're aesthetically superior. We're better than them at everything. And that triggers them. You know, I, you know, it, it's true. It's a wonderful way to put it. Now, I, where this guy came from and where he's going, I don't know. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I got to say, it is, it's very, very astute to talk about that. Depending on what side of reality you are on, if you are on the opposite side of whatever leftists control, if you're on the opposite side of that line and you stand in opposition to them in any way, shape, or form, and uh, if you live a life that a leftist would consider target-worthy, okay, if they hate you, because they, they run on hate, hate, disdain, jealousy, absolute, absolute trauma, if that is the case, and you know that you live in this one-sided situation, this one-sided society where one group of people will be able to do almost anything with impunity because they will work in earnest to make sure to minimize the damage, to excuse the overall whole of that is their culture, which breeds this kind of violence and this kind of unintelligent uh, you know, behavior. And then on the other side, they will make things up to destroy you. They will make things up to destroy you because that's just it. I mean, if you do something wrong, you're screwed. You are screwed because then they will apply the law to every letter, every every comma, every period, every semicolon. They will apply the law, no doubt about it. But uh, if that's not there, then they'll just make something up and they will try in earnest to kill you one way or another. Character assassination, just you know, put you in the poorhouse, whatever it is. So it forces us to think very carefully about what we have to say, to add a lot of context, to, 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 to embrace more and more honest living, to embrace what is a, a better spiritual life. Uh, just it, it really is. It's made a lot of people go back to things they once thought were square, you know? Like spiritual reversion, re religious reversion, conversion, all of that stuff. It's very true. Because aside from the fact where you get to see this, com you can compare and contrast how other people live 
and and how they conduct themselves and their groups and how unhappy they are and how hate driven it all is when you understand how it can all you don't want to be like that as it is but when you can see how it can become a danger to you as you go out and exist in that world you need to be able to protect yourself in every way shape or form and aside from you know there's many different forms of protection but to be able to protect yourself in every step that you take and every choice that you make, the reasons why, it's, it makes you better people. It's a, it's a stimulus. It really is to be a better person, a better group, because you know what you're up against is unscrupulous. And he, it's a great point. It's a fantastic point. A couple more seconds here. And since they can't beat us with real arguments... They just use this repressive apparatus of the state with loads of taxpayer money to destroy us. And yet, they're still losing. They had to remove the blacklist. You understand? They're losing. They're desperate. Shit leftists are losing the cultural battle. For the first time ever, they're concerned. They are shit leftards. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, listen, wasn't that what we were talking about before on on, on Friday night? It was uh, it was um, uh, Aristophanes on Twitter talking about the dead cat bounce, about how the leftists have the the, the cultural revolution is is done with. Then I had brought up, you know, from back in June. So you know what I realized this Pride Month. 2023 that all forms of peaceful persuasion toward this mindlessness are done done and uh and now you you now you just get to see the viciousness in a naked way and that is only going to work that'll work better in other countries it's not going to work as good over here because even in blue states there's not going to be a lot of people you know I, i i i can't wait to see how I can't wait to see the attempts. We'll see. Well, we'll talk about that later. Here's another little something from him. We have to get around to this uh, because soon we're going to be bringing Sal Greco on for a uh, second half discussion. One second. Here's a little bit more for him from him, Millier. I don't know when this was, but he was going through all of the different government agencies that is going to be taken away when he is the president. And he, man, this is just like a wish list for me, too. This is almost like, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I could see Chris Ann Hall doing the same thing, but a little bit more, a little bit more uh, unenthusiastically, a little bit more, um, I don't know, surgically, business-like. This guy is really having a good time, at least in front of the cameras. Here you go. That's the Ministry of Ministry of Culture out. He's talking about all the things that are going to be gone. And I guess the, the reason why I put this clip up here is because when you see those quotes that are printed in places like Yahoo saying that the gradualism, we can't do gradualism, we can't do it. It's got to be now. And it's got to be quick because time is of the essence. Oh, I, I mean, you think about any kind of government that is as involved in people's lives and in, in, is as involved in micromanaging economies. And what is an economy if not a sea of hundreds of millions of variables? And what are those variables? Individual people, individual families making 
thousands of economic decisions for different reasons, things you cannot account for, all right? And governments take on the responsibility of trying to assume perfect knowledge of everybody's motivations and all of those things that people uh, have to take account for on an individual basis, which is why when you have economic control from a central authority, it is just so dumb. I'm talking dumb, slow, retarded. It is completely it's just it's not responsive at all which is why these states completely fall to the ground so um i think about the size and the scope of the involvement of these of this government uh of this nature and you think every last one of these departments how many tens of thousands of people are employed by that department so yeah, it is a very big band-aid to rip off. And if they do do away with gradualism, it is going to make uh, it is going to spike unemployment for a little while. It's going. I really am un- interested in in seeing how this could be pulled off. And I think maybe that's uh, part of the the question. And then I would ask my my buddy Marcel if he comes on tomorrow for a little while. The whole gradualism part when you're dealing with untangling a mess in any kind of a westernized nation that is living under this kind of a government now. Ministry of Environmental uh, what was that? Ministry of Environmental and Sustainable Development. Oh, talk about commie gobbledygook. Ministry of Women, Genders and Diversity. Bye! Afuera. There you go. That's my new favorite word. Ministerio de Obras Públicas. Public Works. Afuera. Afuera. <laughs> Aunque te resistas. Ministerio de Ciencia y Tecnología e Innovación. Science, Technology and Innovation. Good. Get the hell out of here. Afuera. Ministerio de Trabajo, Empresa. Labor, Employment and Social Security. Afuera. Ministerio de Educación. Education. Adoctrinamiento. He says it's really indoctrination. It's true. Transport out. Health gone. That's it. Ministry of Social Development. You know? They don't call them ministries over here, they're departments. Yeah, ministries sound a little bit too religious, but that's exactly what, the, what it all is. Now, it's just worthy of a much larger conversation. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And, um, you know, what, what, what can you expect from this guy? I don't know. I, I've seen people, like I said, linking him to the WEF. I've seen the questions about mind control, about whether or not this is one of many South American central intelligence operations that are out there. I seriously don't know how Argentinian government operates, how it's set up what kind of unilateral power the presidency has in these matters down there. I don't know what kind of coalition he has in whatever constitutes their legislature. I don't know any of that stuff. And, uh, and for all the excitement that had built up around people like Georgia Maloney out there in, in, in Italy, when she was campaigning and won her election, it doesn't seem that she was really able to stop the migrant invasion any less. I don't seem to... I have not heard anything... The explosively positive about her time out there. So we're all on a on a on a foreign perch, 
and we see these things happening. And um, I don't know. I, for for Argentina, I hope it's real. Just like I hoped Georgia Maloney was the uh, was exactly what Italy needed, and was able to do all the things that she was talking about when she was campaigning. But but ultimately, it's a good television for us. It's good television. Could possibly be great opportunity for Argentinians, but I don't know. And it says something when a South American republic can elect someone who, at least on the surface, is talking about anarcho-capitalism. You know, here in the United States, uh, state uh, you know states that have that have uh, sound majorities to put whoever the hell they want in Congress or the Senate. States like South Carolina. Kentucky and Utah, we get we get real doozies like Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell. That's what we get. So, now I mean, several states of the American Union have the ability to elect ANCAPs, anarcho-capitalists, as governors. Yes, they have that ability, but um, but we get the soft bellies all the time. So, if this is all legit. Then I then hats off to Argentina for making a snap decision. Now here's something else I want to bring up. Oh, Sal's on the uh, on the line. We got to talk to Sal. I have to talk about the IDF going out and uh, and preserving, taking sperm from fallen Israeli soldiers. This is an incredible story. It's so weird, and the details will make you almost up, Chuck. Anyway, let's um, let, let's bring Sal on because I want to talk to him, and then we have to get off at the at the top of the hour. Let's see here. Hold on a second. Sal, you hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Sally Bowles. Hey, man, it's listen. It's good. You're not going to be able to see me tonight, unfortunately, because I forgot to set the camera up. But we are on screen together. You look great as always. How's the uh, how's the family? How's everybody been? Uh, thanks for asking, Frank. It's uh, I think lately things have been looking on the upswing, as as you keep reading in the uh, news, you hear Eric Adams' names constantly be, constantly being mentioned. Plus, there's a new lawsuit by another officer that uh, references a lot of the things I referenced on your show last time about the uh, re- the associations the New York City Police Department has with this character who's a self-admitted criminal. Uh, Jimmy Rodriguez Jr. at Con Sofrito in the Bronx. So everything seems to be, you know, going, you know, in the in the right direction here. Well, you know what I saw um, that I thought was really ironic because when you had come on, I think you had used Cardi B as an example of how you you, you were told that you were fraternizing with with uh, you know uh, undesirables or whatever, and then then he was hosting Cardi B, a gang member, and all, all that. And then I got this headline came out of uh, Breitbart today. Here's the here's here's the headline. It's incredible. Rapper Cardi B goes off on NYC's Eric Adams budget cuts. Says crime are gonna go through the roof because I think they're gonna cut uh, police force back or something like that. So so even she's uh, coming and nipping at his ankles right now. He's got a lot of problems, doesn't he? Yeah, the, the hip-hop mayor, you know, the uh, swagger man with no plan, he has no friends right now. He's finding out the hard way of how – this is how politics work. So he doesn't have any friends. He's got – many people are abandoning ship. You, you, I, there was just an article written just now about uh, one of his aides. This was the woman that they also raided the same day they raided the chief fundraiser. From what I understand, they raided 12 different locations that day. And now she's saying, they're saying that she uh, instructed 
other people on his staff to delete their text. Uh, Frank, that sounds like uh, tampering, uh, you know, obstructing an investigation, tampering with evidence, much like what Eric Adams told Eric Ulrich, who was under investigation from De uh, Alvin Bragg in his Manhattan investigation into the, the campaign straw donor scheme that Eric Adams had, he told him to watch his phones and watch his back. Sounds like obstruction over there as well. So there is this is a puzzle that they're slowly putting together in front of you. And, you know, Frank, I know what you want to ask me. I know everyone wants to know this. Is this political? Yes. Right? Because they always keep saying now, well, Joe, uh, Eric Adams has uh, stood up to Joe Biden. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Eric Adams in Staten Island, there was a shelter. Not, it's a shelter. It was an old-age home. It was actually a home for veterans. He kicked out veterans to put undocumented in there. Someone who's standing up to Joe Biden doesn't do an, a disgraceful move like that. You know, Eric Adams invited undocumented to New York City not even a year ago okay he was he was mouthing off to um the the Texas governor he was calling him a racist because Eric Adams always plays the race card unfortunately in his new situation he can't play that because Alvin Bragg and uh the attorney of the of Southern District of New York Peace he's also African-American just like Alvin Bragg so good luck with that Eric so he was just pandering to certain crowds because Eric talks out of both sides of his mouth. The investigation into Eric Adams kind of stems from a couple of different directions. Number one, there was a fire commissioner, I believe, or uh, someone who worked in the fire department. He filed a lawsuit making the same exact claims you're hearing about the fire department being involved in the Turkish consulate building that the uh, construction company and the government of Turkey they were all in cahoots together. Yeah. That stemmed from that lawsuit. That was way back in 2021 when Eric was still the borough president, but he had won the Democratic primary, so they all assumed he's the next mayor because, remember, New York is 7-1 to one Democrat to Republican vote. Then we have Eric Ulrich, who is a city councilman from Queens that was advising Eric Adams on the 2021 in his campaign, then eventually became the buildings commissioner, and he's involved in a whole scandal where he's doing the straw donor scheme for Eric, and he's also involved with uh, you know alleged uh, mob ties to Bonanno crime family, and he owes all kinds of money to them. So he was already being monitored. So now people that have spoken to Eric Ulrich on the phone are now receiving letters from the FBI stating that they were listening in on the conversations due to the fact that they were listening in on Eric Ulrich. As I stated before, when Eric Adams told him to watch his phone and watch his back. Hmm. So six people, remember, were indicted. I mentioned this last time. Two of them pled out already. And that's on the Alvin Bragg investigation. That's Manhattan. That's a, a, a district attorney. That's a Manhattan case. That's a state case. So two people pled out. Eric Ulrich, who's definitely singing like a canary right now because he's in all kinds of trouble. He was indicted under 16 counts of political uh, political corruption. And then we have another character, Dwayne Montgomery. They took, they were asking Dwayne Montgomery about records all the way back to 2005, which is when Eric Adams was running for the state Senate, which he eventually became a state senator. That's where he had a corruption scandal with the race casino, where he testified and somehow he didn't get indicted, all his other pals did. So Eric Adams has always had controversy surrounding him. 
He's also, since his police days, hung out with very unsavory and, you know, like these these characters that you and I would probably say, we don't want to be around these people. But he's been doing this since he was a cop, when he was a bodyguard for Mike Tyson and associating with criminals back then. He did the same thing as the state senate. He's been doing what he did as a Brooklyn Borough president. Now as the mayor, he's hanging out this consofrito, hanging out with all these criminals and felons over there. And he's dragging down his police commissioner and all the NYPD upper management there. Because, Frank, that concertfrito and the allegations of this officer Romero who filed this uh, complaint with the EEOC, which is basically a state uh, lawsuit which can turn federal depending on how the EEO handles it in, uh, in the city. Uh, he stated that, you know, concertfrito is a place that's not only owned by Ed Caban, the current police commissioner's brother, but there are numerous social media uh, pictures and videos of the last three administrations in the NYPD, the last three police commissioners, all hanging out with this Jimmy Rodriguez Jr., who's a self-admitted criminal by his own uh, words in, in many numerous articles, and the place that Consofrito, which you mentioned Cardi B. So Peter Guns, who's a felon, and it is a, almost like a, a producer, I believe, for Cardi B. He was the one who discovered her on that show. They had a, a TV show years ago. So there's a connection there with Cardi B, Peter Guns, and Jimmy Rodriguez. Because it's a whole rap, you know, it's a whole rap thing. Because he once owned a place called Jimmy's Cafe in the Bronx. That place had characters like Fat Joe. Fat Joe still goes to Concert Frito. So it's this whole rap scene where the nightlife mayor, Eric Adams, a swagger mayor with no plan, who seems to want to copy the former mayor of Detroit, uh, Kawami Kilpatrick, look him up, he went to jail for political corruption. Same thing, it's customized suits, running around with pinky well, rings, you know, hanging out with you all know, the you know it is. Felons. You know what it is, Sal? Uh, it, it, the, the big thing here is when you, um, I know that what you're up against right now is yeah. that this was thrown in your face because of your relationship with Roger Stone. Right. So it's um it's one of those things where if you if you weren't in this position as a police officer at any level, then you know ha- having friends having friends and associates who may have been mixed up in certain things in the past or or you're you know you you're, you're running rough circles here and there. I mean, you know you, you know all types of people in life. So right. but the real issue is in the position that he's in in the position that all these cops are in that you're talking about at upper management now for them to use this kind of a way this kind of a tactic to go after folks like you um when this is this is how the people running you know the show are working it all out that's that's really messed up and uh, and when i saw when i started seeing the fbi getting involved and and whatever the hell was going on in in new york city I, I said I got to bring you back on for a couple minutes. Um, oh, so, so it's a little more. Well, yeah, because uh, talk talk, about, talk specifically about your about the updates on on your end because we we're going to be going until uh, eight o'clock tonight. I want to get it all in. All right, so on my end, uh, I'm up to the part now. We had a conference. Uh, the city and my lawyer had a conference to go over the scheduling for the uh, you know for the uh, discovery and for the depositions. At this conference, the city itself stated, well. Uh, we believe that Keyshawn Sewell, the former police commissioner, isn't in the lawsuit. So the uh, the judge, uh, uh, the magistrate judge stated to them, well, she is. It's clearly on the order from the judge. So then she said, well, 
the order that was signed that was signed that said my termination member it was i'm my continued employment would be detrimental to the police department because of my relationship with roger stone being my friend yeah uh, it stated that well there was three levels before you get to the police commissioner but on the paperwork she writes that she reviewed it so she agreed with their findings you can't say that oh well she's just rubber stamping something and at the same time saying she reviewed it it's one or the other these are the kind of games that they were playing and also uh we brought up the entire concert thing where all these people i mean uh, i have four gigs of evidence from social media of all these commissioners chiefs uh their underlings eric adams leticia james the bronx district attorney darcel clark carl carl hasty the assembly leader in new york all hanging out at ponce frito with jimmy rodriguez yeah, no, so, no, yeah. explain to me how that's okay these are the people that are now ultimately deciding my fate along with officer romero and others saying well they deserve to be terminated that's great because we want to know how you can decide that but no one is looking into you you yourself are breaking the very rules that you are stating in the patrol guide which govern the nypd that states you cannot wrongfully and only associate with someone who's likely to engage in or reasonably believed to engage in criminal activity jimmy rodriguez is exactly that not only him what about all the other nefarious characters that are there that place frank should be off limits for any police officer there is all kinds of allegations over there including the political corruption there's drugs there's uh you know prostitution there's all kinds of stuff any nightclub would always have that but then there's no enforcement there because it's the police commissioner's brother who owns the place he's, a, he's the liquor license holder of the place because jimmy can't have one because his place back in the day was banned from major league baseball for the exact reason i'm telling you i mean this guy had shootings people got murdered in his place there's open investigations still 30 years later regarding jimmy's cafe so how can the police department actually say it's okay for them to be there how how is that okay how is that okay but then you're going to terminate other officers saying we don't like this and we don't like that but you're not looking at yourselves yeah and we're not talking about a cop friend we're talking about police commissioner uh chief of department chief of patrol uh first deputy commissioner these are big high-ranking people that are one step beneath city hall and and frank is a kicker now so this woman you're reading about last week, Winnie Greco. So she's the liaison for Eric Adams to the Asian community. She has ties to China. She has ties to them. So she was a fundraiser. She's getting money, all this money for Eric Adams, right, for China. So now it comes out that she hired a volunteer to do construction work for her, and then she gave him a job underneath Eric Adams and then fired him on top of it. He has all kinds of allegations against her. But here's the kicker, and you're going to hear a lot more about the Chinese thing in the next week or two. They're just catching up the uh, media. She has a parking plaque from the NYPD. It says NYPD parking placard. Now, Frank, I know cops that were suspended. I know cops that got fired. I know cops that lost vacation days. I know people that were arrested for using an NYPD parking plaque. Now, back until Rudy Giuliani was in office, they okayed some city hall staffers to have this NYPD parking plaque, but no more. How would she have this parking plaque, Frank? And if she has one, Frank, 
where there's smoke, there's fire, unlike what Eric Adams says. So I guarantee you other underlings or aides that belong to Eric Adams and his staff have this NYPD parking plaque. That in itself is another corruption scandal. And I bet you anything, Frank, the people that handed her this plaque that did the investigation and give her one, they're the ones that are also involved in maybe a concertfrito and other things that are going on with Eric Adams and his administration. It's a, it's a country club. You're, descri- yep. you're describing a country club and, it, and the fact that it's supposed to be a, a law enforcement apparatus for a major metropolitan area and instead it's just pretty much created its own breakaway nation with its own rules. That's just It's a crime family. Oh, d- yeah, but it, has, but it has no competition. It has no oh. competition whatsoever. You know, I just, I just got finished for, for my, my last book club uh, 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 pick of the year. I was just talking about it a couple minutes ago. We just got finished reading Mario Puzo's the Godfather, and 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 I'm just like you know I'm thinking about uh, you know Captain McCluskey over here and every and every everybody doing their, it's like geez man there's just no competition anymore. Um, it, sounds, it really sounds like that, right? I mean, people actually they've been messaging me and calling me saying that this these people they run like a mafia. That's why I, that's why I really don't want to be in New York City right now. Besides, you have all these protests going on where there's no enforcement. They barely make arrests about anyone, but then they want to play tough guys in Staten Island, arrest the grandma who just happened to just play, mu- play music on a stoop. There's no warnings. They just arrest them. Well, and do, they, they roughhouse these people. Well, that, he, but do, what, what, what you're describing here is, like, if we're going to use that analogy again there, too, you know, uh, a, a, a Don from the old world, maybe they over years they can build up political connections. They start learning who the DA is. They learn the, you know, you know, you, you get these these connections over years. And it's usually an outsider that makes an inroads with the, the, the current, you know, police commissioner, the captains and all that. But when there is no outside connection, when the actual these people are just autonomous. And that's just it. And they realize, hey, we're we're the central authority. You know, we're the ones who picks who gets a, who gets a, 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 a investigated, arrested. I mean, people like Letitia James are doing far bigger jobs than, you know, right now uh, on a national stage with Donald Trump and even going after other really great groups in New York that are trying to look into the the uh, the uh, ability to verify whether or not our elections are actually able to, you know produce a a legitimate winner anymore so they're just they're just you know their own world now i gotta ask you because we got six minutes left um and you can use the six minutes however you want um obviously you still have a lot of friends and family back here uh, in new york are there any um as far as inside updates anything that you can tell us uh that you're getting from inside from general from friends who are still on the force things that they're seeing both on the street level on up what are just some of the things that people are reporting back to you about the general state of work, day-to-day life in the city, all that stuff? The the the, the last five minutes, yours. Uh, their lives are wretched. Uh, they're really upset with every how how things are going. Even in Staten Island, I mean, things are really bad there. They're they're just bad all over. And I mean, you know, my friends that are still working and they're not in one police plaza underneath the Eric Adams umbrella, where if you you're indicted, you're invited, you can hang out at Concert Fritos, do whatever you want, and nothing will happen to you. Uh, these people are showing me pictures. They show me pictures of, I guess, he had this whole thing where, like, you're allowed to buy a plane. They'll buy you a plane ticket. Yep, to anywhere in the world. Okay, so that created chaos because when you go to the hotel, they formed the line outside. The line went around the block all the way to 7th and 8th Avenue. 
That's in Midtown Manhattan. Wow. So right around the right around where, uh, where, where Madison Square Garden is. So there was so many people. I saw like videos of there's all these uh, mopeds because you know these guys have to work. Say what you want about the undocumented. They want to at least deliver food or trying to make so they go to the hotel it's okay i'm going to get a plane ticket and they go with this moped they're just leaving in the street so there's no place to to, to park there's all kinds of people women children that babies just on the sidewalk people sleeping there this is chaos and i understand joe biden does have a lot of this blame it's a lot of federal government they, they are to blame because they let this continue but you know what being mismanaged by municipalities like New York City. Eric Adams, who invited all these people in, he never had a plan. That's what we call him, swagger man with no plan. His plan now is to throw everybody at Floyd Bennett Field. I, I don't even know if that's a good idea because that oh they were leaving over there. The, the amenities there, they don't have any. Those kids now also go to public schools. They can't get to public school from Floyd Bennett Field because there's no, no bus, there's nothing there. And if there's a fire that broke out, Frank, there's no fire hydrants. They were trying to hook up the hose from, from all the way to Marine Park, past the bridge into the Rockaway. I mean, it's insanity. But that's Eric's brilliant idea that he came up with when I believe Kathy Hochul, one of Joe Biden's uh, goons. Oh, let's house uh, the undocumented at Floyd Bennett Field. That's, really, that's a really good job in an open field. I know. Like twenty degrees now. Oh, no, it, it's it's freezing tonight already. That's why I was just saying it, it's one thing. It's one thing to give everybody because t- I saw that they were giving everybody tents. I said tents. I said it, it, once you hit October, we're talking we're talking about at least thir- you know high upper thirties at night sometimes, yeah. and it's all it's already coming in. So they they, they don't. I, I I at this point I find them so diabolical that if they if if people started dying out in the cold. I think that they would just like they were they're expecting something like that to happen so they can they can spin it into some some kind of an attack against I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I feel like these people want the worst for everybody. Anyway, um salgreco.com I can't wait to have you back on again for a little bit of a longer uh, thing because I still can't wait for the night that you come in and we can just talk oh, about yeah. you know working we're gonna, in we're gonna get that we're gonna get to that. Just I got it's a scheduling thing and also Coming to New York City is it really a safe bet right now for me? I I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, you know the protest is chaos all around. You know. It's, well, you'd it's, be in uh, this is Westchester, so you'd be a little bit a, a little safe, a little us. bit removed. But when you whenever you come in, we're just going to be talking about working in the city, living in New York. We're just going to be talking about you know war stories and stuff. It's going to be fun. But anyway. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, man. Um, so salgreco.com, uh, all the best to your family, and thanks for everything. Thanks, Frank. Anyone out there, you go to salgreco.com, click the support button. If you feel inclined to help me, I greatly appreciate it. Or even better yet, go to the store, go to the shop, and uh, hit the button where it says shop in the store. Find your favorite shirt, find a mug, find anything there. That would help me out in a long way in uh, you know, getting a, a shirt that says Sal Greco did nothing wrong because – even the NYPD admitted at the end that Sal Greco did nothing wrong. But, uh, Frank, I pray for you over there. I pray for everyone in New York City, and uh, I hope for the best. But uh, expect this Eric Adams investigation to spin into some other off uh, offset investigations as well because it's, it's a never-ending story with this guy. Yeah, you think it's going to go one place for everybody, and it goes 10,000 yeah. others. All right, man, have a great night. You too. Thank you, Frank. There you go. There's uh, Sal Greco. 
you think it's going to go one place. You think you've seen enough already, and it's um, there's far more coming down the pike. All right, so now here's what we have. In the second half, we're going to be talking to Jim Lee. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Jim about not only uh, upper atmospheric contaminants that he wants to dis- discuss a little bit, but first we're going to be talking about Larry Fink, BlackRock, ESG, loan failures, all that stuff, and then hopefully I can uh, I can see what he thinks about this, this Dutch Sense situation. And after he's on, it's going to be super chats and hopefully a couple of calls i'll try to stuff those in on the other side of the of the um of the intermission here but as you all know ladies and gentlemen if you're on youtube or rumble or rockfin the direct links to our pilled.net channel are right in the description the links are also in the pre-show tweets that i put out there and if all else fails if you don't know where to find it just remember you can always go to quite frankly.tv as well which is powered by pilled it's powered by foxhole no paywall no holds barred, just press play, hang out with us. And again, the episode, the entire episode will be uploaded in its, its entirety later tonight on podcast, on Rumble, on BitChute. And on Friday, I started uploading it in, um, in its entirety to Rockfin as well. But, uh, you know, there's nothing like live. So click over. It's one click and watch the rest. It'll be a great time. Thank you so much. And thanks again to Sal Greco. We'll be right back. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Qu
at this part of the show, I always feel like I've, I've welcomed you into my personal den. Can't tell you how cozy it is to, um, to be doing this on the home, the home website and, and everything. And it's creating a really amazing window of opportunity to come right out of the gate in January with some new methods to madness. New methods in going out into the social media sphere. So I can't wait to, uh, to get rocking and rolling in 2024, but there's plenty to, to really soak up right now in the end of November and going into December. And let's just keep it up. I want to say right off the bat, we have a birthday. We have a birthday. And this is from Jenna. And Jenna said, hey, Frank, do you mind giving... Mind? Never. Do you mind giving a happy birthday shout-out to my youngest son, Elijah, who turned 20 yesterday? Yesterday, the 19th. Turned 20. That's our youngest. He used to be my baby, but now he's all grown up. Oh, Jenna. I feel you. I feel you. Aurora already feels like she's 20. And it just rips my heart out and also brings me tremendous joy. So, an actual 20-year-old, that must be so surreal. And to have uh, Elijah be your youngest, man. Elijah, have a good one. Have a good one. Keep your head twisted on straight, my friend. All right. So, before Jim Lee shows up and busts up the party, uh, speaking of bust, we've got to talk about this for a second. Listen to this. And then I'll do all of our super chats after the fact. This is a headline from Haritz, Haritz.com. And I think this is a big Israeli, I don't know. Yeah, here's a here's the headline. It's behind a paywall, so but we got some other uh, excerpts. Headline, we operate 24-7, the race to preserve Israeli soldiers' sperm. During Israel's battle with Hamas in Gaza, the authorities have ramped up efforts to perform sperm utilization from fallen soldiers, from the dead. They're taking sperm from the dead and left the ethical questions for later. You know, the ethical questions like, uh, why can't, is it, is it this a religious hang up or something that you can't give a sperm sample beforehand or to impregnate your wife before you leave? I, I don't understand. It's on the face of it, it, it's weird. And then it gets weirder. A, uh, a very, a worthy <laughs> on uh, on Twitter. There's a lot of there's a lot of interesting back and forth on this. And here's an excerpt: The IDF has a special sperm retrieval unit to collect the seed of fallen IDF soldiers. Here's the hel- Here's the uh, the first excerpt, and it talks about the health ministry out there. The health ministry has set up a special unit that works 24/7 with the IDF and the four hospitals housing sperm banks. And then it's Ichilov, Sheba, Shamir, Azov, Harafe, or Belinson, I don't know how you say it, to notify families of the option of PSR and set it up as quickly as possible following the death of their son or husband. Sperm must be retrieved within 24 hours after death to increase its chances of viability when it's later unfrozen and used to fertilize an egg. However, experts say that PSR can be performed even several days after the death when sperm is no longer motile. 
We look for and prefer sperm that are moving, but even sperm that is not motile does not mean that it is not alive. We know how to make it move after it is unfrozen. This is fucking weird. This is weird. Um, and, and, and it gets it gets even weirder. It gets even weirder. Listen to this. They're saying, how is this real? Oh, it's real. Shalei Atari's husband, Yahav, was murdered by Hamas terrorists. She did everything in her power to retrieve his sperm so that their dream of having more children would live even without Yahav. Unfortunately, she was unsuccessful. There are still so many families that we can save. Every minute counts. Bring back our children now. How about, um, again, is it a religious thing that beforehand you can't, you can't do it? So now the whole, the, the whole thing here is retrieve their seed. That's the rallying crime. People are asking you, do they recover eggs as well? Um, I mean, I guess there's no lines left across. Um, I also have over here, some people have, have put in there, uh, if the guy was unmarried, sometimes single women will get in contact with the parents and offer to carry their babies. And um, let's see here. Somebody else said that in this, uh, now, now I don't know any of this stuff. They're talking about different books or of the fallen. Women will have sex with dead men to have enough children to continue genocide. I mean, I mean, if they're, they're dead, then how the hell do you get uh, orgasm? So I don't understand that at all. But this is another thing. How are you extracting this? Are you putting, you know, a, uh, a needle a syringe into their, their epididymis or their their testicles somewhere like what are you doing with this shit well one person chimed in rev poppy hayes it says the idf has a crew that uses electro ejaculation a probe that goes up the butt to the prostate to forcibly shock the sperm out and get samples even from the dead the tool was developed for farmers to use on animals but i suppose we are animals as well and uh and I don't know, I, I, I guess all the motivation here is about saving families and allowing people to have, have children. But again, the, the fact that you're retrieving it from the dead is just in, is incredibly morbid. And um, it's just horrifying. It has yielded some incredible memes, though. Here are two of the, the best AI-generated memes that I've seen. Here is a, uh, here's a couple of... Here, here's a couple of rows, columns of uh, IDF soldiers with, I, I guess, you know, milk jugs full of uh, semen that they've been create, they've been collecting. There you go. They're out there to collect your sperm, ladies and gentlemen. Here's another one that almost got me. I, I almost choked when I saw this. Three IDF soldiers, seed extraction team. Can you imagine having that job? That was all AI. It's not real. But like I'm just saying, when when this gets around, it's and don't you know you, you notice here whenever there is a new conflict, Ukraine, um, especially the, anything that we've been able to watch recently. From now on, anytime a conflict breaks out, watch, watch the the tidal wave of weird things that are just introduced to everybody. Things that under normal circumstances you'd say, this is weird, this is wrong. 
but under the circumstance of war, suddenly you're like, well, I mean, it's war. It's war, and you know, you, you preserve the sperm. Do you know preserve? You preserve it. Preserve it. Retrieve the seed. Just take note of all the weird things that are thrown out there under the umbrella of well, it's war. We you know extenuating circumstances, things that under normal times would be completely nuts. And this is just feels very odd. Okay. Anyway, that's what we have. Let's go into the super chats. I want to make sure that we get everything together. Um, yes. In the super chats. NJSF. This is from this is from pill.net. Sending those gold pills, ladies and gentlemen. I'd love to read everything you have to say. Javier Millier. Plans to switch to USD seems oddly beneficial to the US in this de-dollarization trend. Exactly what I thought right off the bat. I said, okay, right off the, you know, talking about closing down all of these ministries and things like that, I, I, I get you. I mean, that would be beneficial to any nation. But to move away from the peso, which may be on its last leg, and then jump onto the sinking ship that is the dollar is not necessarily... I mean, maybe that's like putting the donut tire on your, your car to, to get home from the stadium and the donut tire is half inflated, but at least it's better than riding on the rim. Maybe that, that's what, but so yeah, it, it is oddly beneficial to the U.S. Foxy Lady, thank you so much. Captain Flint says, afuera. Joe M says, great show. Thank you, Joe. It's great to have you out there. Paulie9363 says, I told you before, Frank, aliens paralyzed me and probed me. Well, I mean, okay. And, and, but you're alive. You see what I'm getting at? You're alive. We're not talking about the probing and the, and the extracting of things. We're talking about the dead here. So, um... Hold on, it's Jim, Jim Lee, hold on. Hold on. Shit, I, I, can't, I can't even type right now. Jim Lee wanted to just confirm something real quick. There you go. All right, we'll get to him in just a second. All right, here's another one I have for you. Jay Britt says, thanks, Frank. Thank you so much. Uh, Stostube says, very sorry for the loss of Shane's, Shane B's brother. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family, Shane. Shane, I'm so sorry to hear that. I did not, I didn't, I didn't notice any news like that. Shane is always one of the first people hanging out in the chat room after it is, um, it's scheduled on YouTube and he's been a good guy and a, um, a good presence in there for years now. So I, I really feel very, very sorry about that news. Uh, Arts Bells Farts Smells says, I know it's an ancient topic now, but regarding movies that hit different as an adult, I've got to say, what about Bob? Poor Leo Marvin, man. Bob was even uh, an Esalen Institute attendee per the movie's own dialogue. Oh, I understand. Yeah. One, listen, there is a, um, when you watch What About Bob as a child, as I did, 
I identify I identified Bob as this harmless childlike man. This this harmless childlike man who seemed like a, a lot of fun to hang out with because he was essentially you know a child. He was insecure. He kind of you know you know just and he's harmless. Now the character turns out to be harmless. He wouldn't hurt a soul. He's not a violent person. But when you grow up, like him hanging out with uh, Ziggy. Or Siggy, Siggy, Sigmund, Sigmund, Ig, Ziggy. Anyway, Siggy. He's hanging out with the, you know, with the with the Marvin family, helping people dive, going boating, and all that stuff. And as a child, you're just like, oh, well, he's funny. This is funny. Then you then you grow up and you watch What About Bob and you say, this is this is this could very easily be a horror film. And the fact that Faye his wife and his children don't see anything wrong with the fact that a severely mentally disturbed guy from his practice back in New York faked his own death, pretended to be his sister to find out where they were in Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire, went out there and literally you can't get rid of him. That is a, uh, how can you sleep at night? And then he'd be in there with his son. He has a sleep... it's a very disturbing movie. It's still hilarious, but when you when you grow up and you actually look at it from 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 Leo's standpoint, uh, everybody around him has to be nuts. The fact that they can be drawn in by Bob, and he could be the only one assessing the situation clearly. Okay, it is a very dangerous situation. Now, thankfully, they got the nicest crazy person on the planet. In Bob Wyland. That's his name, right? I think. Thankfully they they he was the nicest one. And then he, he married Lily, Dr. Marvin's sister. <laughs> but it's it's uh it's a goofy movie. Goofy movie. Alright, what else do we have? What else do we have? Let me just make sure I got everything set up, and then away we go. There you have it. Okay, so now the next thing I have, as we are waiting for Jim Lee to show up, which I told him to pop on around this time or so, it's 8.20. He should be getting here soon. Bill Gates. Did you hear about Bill Gates? Now, this will this has to be a part of everything else, because when when Jim Lee is really digging into these stories about technocratic control and influence on the planet how can you really overlook the acquiring of sm- of farmland no matter how small the farms may be this is from a couple of days ago on fox bill gates buying up land threatening small farms under the guise of saving the planet author claims controlligarchs examine how tech giants like Gates, are apparently monopolizing the nation's food supply. A new book aimed at exposing the billionaire class as Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates' investments uh, in patented fertilizers, fake meat, and U.S. farmland aren't saving the planet, but rather enriching his bank account. I really don't think it's about money, though. How can you even say that when somebody has as much as he does? 
Controligarchs, which hits bookshelves on Tuesday, examines billionaires like Bill Gates and how their wealth controls the levers of power that dominate everyday life of average Americans. Author and investigative journalist Seamus Bruner, who led teams whose findings sparked multiple FBI investigations and congressional probes into the Clinton and Biden families, says that his research uncovered Gates's efforts to buy up American farmland and invest in synthetic dairy and lab-grown meats in the name of preventing climate change, of course. In the process, Bruner said that Gates is doing more to inflate his net worth than eliminate carbon emissions. First, it was patented seeds and patented fertilizers, and now they are patenting meat alternatives. Banning cattle would grant effective monopolies to the alternative protein companies and benefit investors such as Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, and even BlackRock. Fake meats are about controlling the food market, not saving the planet, Bruner said in an interview with Fox News Digital. Well, tonight, we have our good friend Jim Lee back on. I haven't seen him in so long. He looks as fantastic as he always does maybe even more so oh that's not his name his name is jim lee jimlin how are you my friend i'm doing pretty good how you doing buddy i'm feeling pretty good how's everything it seems like you have maintained a good tan that's nice to see i try to keep it you know i try to keep my glow i do i've got a facial i have a facial expert I like facials. Yes. Take that however you like. <laughs> Good. And I also like your background. I, I love the, uh, this is very, very, um, very nice and academic of you to have a map of the world behind you. I like the gold leafing. It is very nice. It's been a while since you called in, so I'm seeing new things. This is, this is, um, I now do trigger warnings whenever I bring up uh, Climate Viewer 3D. So if you, if I bring up anything from climateviewer.org, I immediately go, all right, I'm about to bring up a round thing. So everybody else, I want you to focus on the flat earth yeah. behind me. Just keep this mental image and then close your eyes for the next five minutes. And then I go to my 3D globe. And then please just just be be calm when you see the spherical globe pop up. Just be calm. Hey, Jim, would you be able to uh, to boost your microphone a little bit by any chance? Um, yeah, is it, is it low? A little bit. I, I'd, I'd like it up a little bit more if you have that control over there. Real quick, hold on. Give me a second. You got it. I've been messing with the settings and trying to get it to behave, and it does not want to behave. Yeah, I got you. I've got you jacked up over here, but it's still not. Um, it's not where I want it to be. So, is that better? A lot better. Okay. So, I, as I was calling you up, I'm reading this story from uh, Fox News, um, a little bit of an expose as if we need one on Bill Gates and how he is buying up farmland, threatening small farms, um, and then how much, how many pies he has his fingers in from fake meat to this, that, or the other. They bring a black rock in here too. Now I know things like fake meat, they are, um, they're dying, they're, they're industries that are set up to fail. Nobody wants them. So I don't know if it's just about if it's just about um, you know laundering money into projects that are going to fail or whatever the hell it is, but you've been doing a lot of work on on companies uh, on organizations like BlackRock and these ESG initiatives, which of course is very closely related to that. Um, what what have you been doing? Because I know that it's something big. It's more on the financial end of it. Uh, how sustainable is the ESG stuff? Because it's it's supposed to be the driver for world change, but I don't see that happening um, very smoothly. 
Well, if you look up um, uh, Larry Fink and him saying, we don't want to say ESG anymore. So you got BlackRock CEO saying, I'm not going to use the, the letters ESG anymore. He said that? Look it up right now. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. You keep you keep talking. So, and I, I was scratching my head and I'm going, is this a public relations thing? Or am I just like tripping? Because it doesn't seem like, you know, that's, there's got to be more to the story than that. And then a couple months later, I stumbled across something that they're trying to keep hidden from the public. And that's what's called sustainability linked loans, SLLs. And it turns out that there is a $1.5 trillion greenwashing loan scam going on. And I think this is probably why Larry Fink is trying to distance himself from the whole ESG thing, because the regulators are coming. In a nutshell, all of these companies have been saying, we're going to give you a, a loan at a, a special interest rate because you're doing ESG work. You're going to do something to reduce your carbon emissions. You're going to do something in the name of sustainability or whatever. So you're going to get a special rate on this loan that we're going to give you. However, this started out in 2017 and it ballooned exponentially. But now it's starting to rain back in because the regulators are going, and clearly this is probably something to do with the Biden regime because they want to see you know results. Are you actually cutting emissions because our, you know, Green New World Order people want to make sure that you're actually cutting emissions? So what we might do is actually say, you better prove that your SLL loan is a sustainable thing, that you actually are meeting goals. Because if you're not, then we're going to either change your rate to something completely different or you know just out you in the public as a green washer well wasn't wasn't the collapse of the silicon valley bank tied to esg initiatives right and this could be many times larger than that and that that's the creepy part about it so you see people already you know i've only seen on the entire internet like maybe four articles about this um three of which are behind paywalls. Um, and that, and then what I, what I see as a commonality here is there's always going to be people. And I've always said that, you know, the climate change agenda is about money, making money, forcing behavior. Another one, you know, you come right out of Larry Fink's mouth that in order to force behavior, then you get people to change their, you know, what they do on a daily basis. You can monetize that. And that's what ESG has always been about. Now you got to deal with the fact that if the regulators come in and blow the lid on the fact that these people have been taking these loans and saying that they're doing all this stuff in the name of ESG, but they were actually just greenwashing is a, an all encompassing term for, we are saying we're doing something green, but in fact, we are not. It's just, it's all for show. And in some cases, 
it's probably all for that lower interest rate, you know, just to get some money out of these banks and say, oh, yeah, 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 we're totally down with your green new world order, you know. Um, but yeah, because he says over here, uh, I don't use the word ESG anymore uh, because it's been entirely weaponized by the far left and weaponized by the far right. So uh, I guess there's no moderate way to talk about these initiatives anymore, uh, probably because the far left wants even more than what they're putting up. And the far right, which is anybody to the right of Karl Marx, uh, can see this for the scam that it is. And it's a, a major theft that we are being used as collateral for. Right. Exactly. So at the end of the day, I think that, you know, this could be the number that was floated that there's about one point five trillion dollars worth of sustainably sustainability linked loans out there. And that many of those debtors could end up defaulting if regulators come in and see that they've basically been fudging their numbers. They have no way to even prove what they're doing is even linked to climate change or anything. Well, here, here, let me give you this one. Fink said in January that BlackRock had lost about $4 billion in managed assets as a result of the backlash against ESG. This is just the the result of people reading and realizing what it's all about. Now, that $4 billion, though it's a lot to us, they admit in this Reuters uh, uh, article, it's a tiny sliver of its $9 trillion under management. He reiterated at the Aspen conference that there had been no material impact on BlackRock's business. Yeah, $4 billion is not going to do anything to $9 trillion in holdings. But, I mean, the the, the money that we are talking about here is incredible. But, but still, the, the $4 billion that, that they're saying that they've lost, that's just what they're saying to the public and their shareholders. What's really going on behind the scene is that BlackRock and JP Morgan are the largest two backers of SLLs and what are called um, debt for nature transfers. And this is an even older process where, um, you know, entire countries trade their debt and end up saying, we're going to do something for the environment. And in in return, you're going to liquidate some of our debt. So they have bilateral bilateral transfers and they have trilateral transfers. JP Morgan and BlackRock are involved in these trilateral transfers. And I was reading an article about Sri Lanka and how they literally, you know, defaulted for the first time in history as a result of this greenwashing, um, you know, debt for nature transfer scam that's going on. So there's there there's this whole green agenda, and it ain't about you know greening the environment. It's about greening their wallet, their bottom line. Yeah. Um, I think that at the end of the day, people are already seeing through most of the climate change agenda scam. We see it with the United Auto Workers and the you know manufacturers. They're like, look, people don't want your damn EVs, right? Yeah. I mean, it's clear as day. The market will speak eventually eventually we get it right you know no matter how much solyndra they try to shove down your throat you're going to eventually say i don't want this crap we don't need this crap so you cannot force behavior without a gun here in america i mean that's the bottom line you can try all you want 
you can use all you know every single mainstream media outlet to try to propagandize people but at the end of the day people are going to you know resort back to their basic necessities and they're going to say hey look in this inflated world where my money's worthless we're all running around with our monopoly money going i i still want to buy a burger on the you know burgers and fries and hot dogs and shit on july 4th and no amount of your climate jargon is going to change that mm. this is america yeah, i know right I, absolutely <laughs> Before we get into more into the, because I know you're talking about other uh, high uh, high atmospheric thing uh, contaminants that are going on out there. Whether you say it's space junk or just the airlines doing one thing or another, let me ask you about this because ESG, BlackRock, Vanguard, the entire uh, Great Reset thing. Everybody involved, all of the think tanks and all of the uh, the, the money houses. Mm-hmm. What um, a part, a big part of that not only is just trying to get people's behavior modified in a social sense, in a religious sense, in a dietary sense, but it's also um, it's also needs different types of delivery agents that are traumatic. Um, obviously, COVID was a delivery agent that really gave us the idea. They were able to bring the Great Reset to the forefront. Hey, this has given us an opportunity to go out there and take care of all the things that we need to restructure the world's economy and all that. But, but before but, you go past that, I, I want to just remind people, because people tend to forget quickly, the Democrats very clearly stated that the only way possible that they were going to beat Trump in 2020 was if the economy tanked and they stated that before covid hit the world so the the, the pandemic <laughs> they it was literally broadcast across every single liberal media outlet that the only way that they could beat Trump in 2020s if they tanked the economy well and they had him between a rock and a hard place and to into your point to your point, they needed something traumatic because why? Why would the economy just take a downward turn severely and never recover in the beginning of 2020 after buzzing all throughout 2018 and 2019 without something completely catastrophic? And there was one or two things that could happen. Obviously, we see something like a pandemic is what they chose and what they actually, you know, they, they game planned and simulated for. But the other thing that could have been is the old time tested bring the world to war. And that is one thing everybody's got to give Trump a credit for is they tried to goad him into several wars that he did not fall right. for. And so they went with pandemic. And now that Trump is out of the, the picture, at least for right now, in the last two years, we have two new major conflicts in Eastern Europe being rolled into now the Middle East right now. And I'm just wondering, um, i wondering with war being the original go-to in making all these things really uh, come to the forefront for technocrats, uh, what, what do you think about the development of, of now uh, another battlefront in, in the Middle East since we've been doing you know, Ukraine for a year and a half. Is any of this uh, any of this surprising to you? No, it's actually easily predictable. Um, I, it's odd, you know, that you mentioned that because I was having a discussion with just some random person um, today. It was an elderly gentleman, and he was really concerned about the debt. And I was like, well, don't 
don't really sweat it because you know they've always got their fallback plan and he's like what's that and i was like world war three um whenever the dead hits a certain you know point it's easy to just wash that shit away in a blink with war because the winner gets to set the rules afterwards and it, and to the people who have been spending our money you are as expendable as the money you've been giving them i mean it's sad to say but that i mean that's the truth of the matter so the thing that worries me most um about these debt bubbles that i'm seeing all related to climate change is that we already have an extreme debt problem where we're servicing our debts a trillion dollars a year just on the interest um yeah it's very likely that if we have some other bubble burst simultaneously that a manufactured war just could come out of thin air it won't be us giving aid to somebody else uh we're going to directly involve ourselves in somebody that we owe the most money to and by the way make a killing literally in the in the process indeed and i thought you were to i i knew i needed to ask you about that because there's no way to talk about this stuff without lumping it into what's happening so um there's other something else that you had brought up i want to do maybe a couple more minutes with you um uh, what do you think is most most pressing about the uh the space junk news that you've been talking about lately what, what does that reveal to you it's actually multi-pronged at this point because now i'm seeing a spate of um rocket launch um just the jet the rocket exhaust it, it's on pbs it's on you know like all of these outlets all this week um since i did that video um i did a video on a scientific paper that space junk that falling rocket bodies and satellites falling out of orbit were contributing to atmospheric buildup of metals in the stratosphere and that they said that up to 10 percent of the sulfuric acid in the stratosphere contained aluminum and other metals from space junk and of course i pointed out that the you know the the airline industry for example a single 747 puts out 10 quadrillion particles of carbon black soot per second that's more than every car on the planet and that that soot is loaded with metals that soot was found at 18 kilometers in the stratosphere the united states alone burns 1.5 million barrels of jet fuel per year there are over a hundred thousand flights per year you're trying to tell me that a couple freaking satellites or rockets are the cause of metals in the stratosphere while ignoring the airline industry now they've the narrative's already switched in a week or two and they're talking about rocket exhaust and you know like spacex's rocket blowing up things like that they're trying to blame it on everything but the most obvious answer and i for me it's like if you're going to tell me that climate change is real and the co2 is the cause of all of it and you want some one size fits all this molecule is to blame for everything and you don't want to talk about 
metal metal nanoparticles filling the sky you don't want to talk about solar cycles you don't want to talk about you know forever chemicals in our water you don't want to talk about anything that actually impacts health effects of people on this planet you just want to focus on co2 because you can monetize it you can't monetize my pollution coming from planes you can't monetize forever chemicals in people's water can i ask you about that um the the pollution coming from planes you and i have had discussions in the past about what exactly is being released by planes whether or not the um whether or not the pilots know what their payloads are what's going on there and i never asked you is there a way and i don't know if this is this might be above your pay grade i don't know i'm actually going to bring a 747 pilot on this show soon and as far as fuel emissions go you know that's something that nobody in the, the the modern world is going to give up air travel is there a way for airplanes to have fuel emissions that are are not giving you know spouting out all those metal nanoparticles is there such thing as cleaner emissions for planes or is this just all a deliberate a deliberate geoengineering thing where these uh these these harsher chemicals are being i don't know in some way mandated or standardized i I don't know anything about it so I, i need to know if there's a cleaner option so the 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 analog would be what happened with the shipping industry The shipping industry operated on something called bunker fuel, which is bottom of the barrel, heavy fuel oil. So as you refine fuel from crude oil, it gets less and less metal particulates, all the other crude things that are in oil. Bunker fuel is bottom of the barrel. It was used in all of the international shipping, um, you know, transports. And they created ship tracks, which are these sulfuric acid clouds, marine stratocumulus, and it was geoengineering. It is what you see over your house, but 50 to 100 miles wide and several thousand miles long, covered the entire Pacific Ocean. In 2020, the International Maritime Organization banned bunker fuel. And when they did, Suddenly, all of the geoengineers who swore this was not geoengineering said, oh, no, we have just started an accidental geoengineering experiment because now all that sulfuric acid has gone and the North Atlantic starting to warm up. So we need those ship tracks back. The same is true of the airline industry. When I went and I spoke at the EPA hearing in Washington, D.C., 2015, In 2016, while Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were duking it out, President Obama signed an agreement with the International Civil Aviation Organization, uh, the European Union, and China for what he called the Federal Alternative Aviation Fuel um, Emissions Pact. Basically, biofuels for contrail control, biofuels for particulate control. That's another reason that nobody wants to talk about why Bill Gates is buying up farmland because they want to grow gasoline. They did the same thing in the shipping industry. Grow gasoline. It's called VLSFO, very low sulfur fuel oil. It's also known lovingly as Frankenstein fuel. So each time they try to greenwash their way out of this and they say, well, you know what? We'll fix the problem. We won't have as much pollution that's killing people. We'll reduce the amount of soot, which causes all these respiratory problems. We'll go to biofuels. They did it with the shipping industry. 
It's a monumental fail. They absolutely hate it. They're doing it with the airline industry. It's called look up biofuels for contrail control. Right now, um, hot off the presses, Eurocontrol launches ContrailNet, a network to create a common repository of contrail observation data so that they can predict when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, and fulfill what Dr. Rangasai Althori, head of the Federal Aviation Administration's Climate Change Research Initiative, clouds by day and none by night. Hmm. So all of this is an experiment. It is. It does have intent behind it, and it does fit their climate change narrative. The creepy part for me is that their climate clocks that count down to 2030 also coincide with the coming grand solar minimum. So the, the idea being, let's say that global boiling is going on, and then let's convince the public that, to let us actually geoengineer full-fledged military deployment in your face on CNN talking about we're going to block out the sun to save us from global warming and then when the sun goes to sleep take credit for it we have we have settled on this i remember i remember really putting it together for myself for the first time with you on maybe about a year and a half ago when I brought you on to explain the, the, the solar cycles and the grand solar minimum coming up. And that's when I said, my God, they are going to take credit for a natural downturn in solar output. And, 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 and all along the way, oh my, it, it's just, it's just really incredible. It's incredible. And so let's say I mean it, it's 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 BJJ dude you 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 take something that's already in motion you know where it's going to land and you just give it a little nudge and help it fall down they already know what's going to happen with the sun these things are known they're not going to be in peer reviewed journals they're not in the IPCC reports they know this shit and they are damn sure going to never let a good um catastrophe go to waste or whatever um Rahm Emanuel, this is that. Yeah. And the scary part for me is while they're busy doing their victory lap, taking credit for cooling the planet, which just cooled because the sun chilled out, what happens during that solar minimum when volcanoes start to erupt and the planet cools rapidly as a result of that? That's the Edgar Casey shit. Yes. <laughs> the, that's the Edgar Casey factor that creeps me out you just don't now let me ask you this now because we're coming up on the end of the show and um i now i, I want to ask you about dutch sense and i know that you guys have a past um um but other than that you both are well known for your work in atmospheric and geological circles and all that and well dutch made this announcement last week that he had been approached by law enforcement about his work and he needed to cease all of his activity you know, doing the, the earthquake, um, you know, uh, readings and, and, and that stuff. And I, and I was, I became a, a fan of his streams too, but, uh, since he's gone away, uh, he's promising only to share music and that, but, uh, there was nothing. I, I'm just wondering what you, would you think about that? Because of course I wonder, have you ever been threatened in the uh, in the past, have you ever felt the you know the the, the twisting of uh, higher ups who may not want you to be uh, raining all over their parade? Because we know that you know when um, John uh, John Brennan is out there, 
you know, at the head of the CIA at the time talking before the CFR about, you know, high atmospheric, in, uh, you know, aerosol injections being his favorite modality to fight the climate. We know that every level, every high level there is, is in on this stuff. So, you know, someone like you who likes to piss in their Cheerios, I have to imagine that you're on somebody's radar. Has this ever happened to you? Yes, multiple times. And the reason why I, I, I used to be on WordPress and that was my website. And I, I, I went, I had my site hacked three times. The third time is a physical impossibility. Anybody in the audience from the infosec world will know exactly what I mean when I say this. My server was a virtual private server that had a RAID array of four hard drives. That means four redundant copies of the exact same thing. So if one hard drive fails, you can go up to the server rack, you take it out, you put another one in, and then the other three mirror to that fourth one and you never lose your data. However, Fort Huachuca, or Fort Oaxaca, however you pronounce it, um, US Air Force Cyber Centcom attacked my WordPress server and at the time, three of the four hard drives were melted down so bad that the host provider said, we lost your website and all backups. All of them. Before that, it was China and Russia. The majority of the attacks were coming from China and Russia. Um, I would use something called stateful packet inspection. Um, it's a deeper way to look at the incoming um, data from the TCPIP stack. You can tell where these attacks come from. It's very hard to hide them, even if you're doing, um, you know, spoofing or you're doing an SSH to another country and trying to make it look like it's coming from there. There are ways. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I have I have had this happen not only to my websites but to my house. My house is harder than Fort Knox, um, harder than a Sunday morning hard on. Um, nobody's breaking in this PC and. I take extreme precaution with my most important data. It's all on like flash drives and Blu-ray discs. But so, but with this, with this kind of a thing happening to you, is this just one of those situations where, considering the probability of something like this, this being so low, to near impossibility, that it would have to be a targeted um, operation from an organization. Yes. Okay. Centcom destroyed my, my server, but without a doubt, that was not an accident. It, it's not a fluke of, you know, nature, like the stars aligned and three out of four hard drives, but it's an impossible, but there was no, there was no note left. There was no communication. No. There was just a shot across the bow because there was that. And then whenever I went to writing my website by hand in Hugo and I, I build it in, in sublime text, I publish and create the entire website. Then I upload it. Now I can keep it on a flash drive. I don't need a database or anything. So the entire website is in just like notepad pretty much. After I published that first version of it, mm. the next year when I went to the beach was when I was interviewed by the NSA on my beach vacation poolside at the Hilton with my family present. So they, they just, they, did they, there was, there they, was, Val they, Kilmer was looking at me with aviators on for over an hour at the pool, when, <laughs> at the pool, 
And I went up to him and I ended up, I had a three hour conversation with this guy. That happened. But let's go back to Dutch Sins for a moment because I have a problem with his whole story. And, you know, on my video I just put out, I did offer to him because he said, um, it, I can't use Earthquake 3D anymore because it's putting a file in my public folder and that's a vulnerability, which it's not. He doesn't understand these things. Um, I need to, I'm going to write my own website using uh, a 3D globe to display earthquakes and all of that. So being the bigger man, I said, you know what, Dutch Sense, Mike, I know we've been through hell together, but I will make that website for you if you're serious. However, he said that he was bowing out because the government shut him down and that the internet service providers were shutting him down. But he's still uploading videos because I've seen three since he said, four since he said he was bowing out because the law enforcement was on his ass. Well, he said that he was going to be uploading maybe music or something. I, I haven't checked back, so I don't know if it was just no, off he topic. Did a, he did a, he did a um, live stream on uh, earthquakes um, six days ago, like after the fact, um, and he's done several since then because um, a friend of mine, Harold Save, his news paradigm on uh, Rumble, he's got a copy of the video up where he's saying these things he's like i'm i'm literally using a dsl right now and i'm having to upload in 360p but i'm still uploading and i'm going to talk about this anyway what happened to you were scared of the government and the you know police i mean let's be real if he had any evidence that the government or the police were doing it he'd be plastering it on videos um just <laughs> There's no nice way to put this, but Dutch has a history of doing this repeatedly where he has these, I call, I've always called them Dutch sense false flags. Um, there's no nice way to put it. One oh, time, so, so you don't a friend of his had his door kicked in and he said that his friend was shot by guys wielding AK-47s. Another time he went to a fellow YouTuber's um, house, Patriotic Space, I believe his name was, and while Dutch Sense and his wife were, you know, in a bedroom that the guy offered them, they're spending the night. That dude literally videotaped Dutch having sex with his wife and then used it to blackmail him. Um, not so much that's not so much a false flag, but there were many times where he claimed that YouTube was shutting him down. YouTube had deleted his channel did a fundraiser and then magically got his entire channel back with all his videos and all his subscribers. And this happened at least three or four times. Anybody who's been following Dutch long enough knows this, has seen this. Oh, YouTube's shutting me down. All my videos have been erased. This is the end. And then magically it all comes back. So there's a lot of betting odds going on right now that there will be a fundraiser in the near future for poor old Dutch sense. Well, I, I mean, should, by all accounts, be rich. I knew. Well, I knew I, I should ask because I, I, mean, I don't have any personal insight. Like I, I'm just a member of his audience too, as I am a member of yours. And and I'm just thinking about uh, when I saw what's going on with him, knowing that you guys are, uh, you know, have pretty uh you know equal amounts of notoriety especially you more so on the on the 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 talk radio circuit and everything like that and and you 
you're all very uh you're speaking truth to power in in many ways so i didn't know if that had uh, happened to you and then of course there's this here too we'll see i guess only time will tell like you said if there's a fundraiser and if there's a grand return because if um if that was if i were scared sufficiently by federal law enforcement to stop doing what i was doing or to um it would there would be no considering coming back if that's I, the, I would, didn't nine separate people threaten to kill me when i went to washington dc in 2015. they said you go to dc when i i'm gonna see you there and i'm gonna kill you i literally had my gopro in my hand while i talked to capitol police and Department of Homeland Security said, I got to go testify at EPA. My life has been threatened. I'm a YouTuber. I'm here to testify. Can you guys give me a ride down there? They were like, no. I said, just so you know, if anything happens between here and the EPA building, I've got this recording saying that I told you so. And whatever happens to that poor son of a bitch is on you. Okay. I tried to just get a free ride. <laughs> well, all right. Then we can't put let that stuff scare you. Most of these people are bitches and cowards. My address and my phone number are on my website and have been for 10 years now. I'll leave it at that. Well, you have uh, gigantic balls, Jim. Too much. I do. They they cut holes in my underwear. Yeah. I'm wearing Tommy Johns now. They're pretty much bulletproof. Well, that's good. That's good. You have to wear those uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the jock straps soon just to be able to balance out the weight. Hey, listen, when you uh, for for Thanksgiving, what do you are you a turkey or a ham guy? Mm. Uh, I like the turkey. I like the triptyline. I like the little, you know, buzz that you get and the downward slope afterwards. I like to be good and bloated. Um, ham, not so much. Um, I do like a good brown sugar glazed ham. Um, my dad's an expert in that field. He can really slow cook them and get that brown sugar all the way down to where you literally have like brown freaking meat. What about the what um, about the yams with the marshmallow top? Do you like that? Yeah, down here we call that sweet potatoes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's even better than just the marshmallow top is when they take brown sugar, walnuts, and pecans, and they crumble it up and they mm. make a, a layer like a crust on top. That's usually about a half an inch if you got a really good one. And then they put some marshmallow on top of that. But that crunch of it, I, I can't even eat it as part of the meal. It's my freaking dessert. Like, I literally put it on the side. I eat everything else first. And then I eat that, and I go back, and I get some more. And I skip all the dessert section of the, the house because that shit is that sweet. I'm with you. I, w I would I would do the same thing like that. I have one more personal question for you. I was on YouTube and I was looking at you know at one point I was just I got caught into like a, a shorts kind of a um, you oh, know yeah, hole. You yeah, you should get get caught in the loop for a little while. And I know that you had um, you had thyroid problems and they removed your thyroid, right? Yeah. Now I saw this video. It was a short about thyroid removal. That I said next time I talk to, to to Jim, I've got to ask him this on air or off air, and they went through the front down beneath where like the lip meets. Did they go into your lip and down your throat that way, or they cut? No. Because I they saw cut. Okay, I, I, I have a I have a Colombian necktie. Um, my surgeon was amazing though, so he did a really good job on making it right in the fold of the skin. Yeah. And it's almost invisible at this point. Plus, I loofah the shit out of it. So you could pretty much um, 
saw anything off if you if you give it enough time let's put it that way um but what really surprised me was i went for some x-rays the other day and of course i'm not going to be able to find it right here off the rip um but i went for some x-rays the other day for something spine related and i saw that my neck was full of freaking staples there's like literally like it looks like 30 staples that are inside my neck and they're just gonna be there they're they're actually called medical clips but they look like staples and they're in there forever wow my mind was just blown i was like oh my god is this medical malpractice can i sue like what the hell is that why do i have all this metal shards in my neck and apparently they're called surgical clips and it's normal and i was like well are they are they magnetic if i go into mri are they like gonna rip out of my neck (laughs) and apparently they're not magnetic either um i have to find this there is it's hold on it's called is this no no that's that's not it that's the that's what probably what you had i i'm telling you it it is the thyroidectomy that they went down the front of the throat underneath like where the where the lip meets the the bottom of your jaw and they kind of just they they just pull the skin back and then work their way down work their way. way down and, and it's, it's like the endoscopic um, where they go through the belly button, I guess. That yeah. It's a, probably a way for people with smaller thyroids, you know, that have like nodes or something like that. This is all an assumption, but I'm assuming that um, they would definitely not do that with somebody who has a thyroid that's like this damn big. All right? right. Mine was literally swollen. I look like I had two titties. My doctor, after the surgery, when I did a follow-up, literally lifted my chin. He's like, well, you don't have tits hanging under your um off your neck anymore and that was a pretty i mean he had a very dark sense of humor which i really appreciated (laughs) um he said he was gonna damn near have to cut my head off to get that thing out um but yeah he was an expert um my only request was that after he was done that he didn't leave a drain tube in my neck and he did put my parathyroids back and he was like see what i can do and i woke up and the first thing i did was go Oh, thank God! I don't have a plastic tube sticking out of my fucking throat. No, I'm well. Um, listen, I I, I was uh, you know following along with you that whole way. I'm I'm very happy that it's all behind you and you're doing better there. But when I when I saw that that short, I said, I wonder if this is what Jim did because it was no, just incredible. No, no, no. If I come across it again, I'll send it your way and I'll show everybody at home too because you know we have we have thousands of people listening to us. So yeah, no, we, we, we gotta like, let them um, know. The, the crazy thing about it was they actually put your neck in like a vice and they stretch your head and i was on that operating table for three hours how cold and they told me it was cool if i took a clonopin before i came in so they had trouble waking me up apparently and my wife told me that this happened and i was like why did you not record it so i'm being wheeled in after the sur- post-surgery and they make you get out of the bed and get into your own bed as a part of the waking up process. I remember none of this, but I was like, she says, this is what I told the nurses. Oh, I see. You all just want to look at my balls. <laughs> Everybody get a good look at my balls. Yes, they're big balls. <laughs> I'm trying to find now. Lauren sent me a video on Instagram of a guy being put out, I think they gave him ketamine 
Um, because they had to readjust his ankle, which was like really busted up, mm. and and this was all taped. And you know, all the doctors were saying, "I've never seen a reaction like this," but it, it's reminding me of that. I have to find it now. Anyway, uh, Jim. Thank you for this tonight. Let's get you back on again soon. We got to talk about more creepy things, especially of the Edgar Casey variety. Uh, let everybody know when your next uh, your next stream is. What's going on? And um, and if the, it's on a regular schedule yet, because if it is, I want to talk about syndicating you. But go ahead and let everybody know where to find you. It is on a regular schedule. I am doing it every Sunday at six p.m. Eastern. Um, I'm also trying desperately to get my feces consolidated because Frank has offered me multiple times to come on his stream, um, you know, af after his show on Tuesdays. I do want to make that happen. Right now, I'm in a crunch before the first of the year because we're, we're trying to move my mother-in-law into our guest house in the back. So I'm renovating that every minute that I'm not at work or on the weekends. Um, so I'm, it's going to be kind of chill till the first of the year because I'm so busy with that. Um, but we're coming, we're, we're going to be putting together a variety show and I hope to be able to bring that to your platform first. Nice. So, it's going to be it's going to be a different flavor let's just put it this way the conspiracy world is very boring um and full of fear and a lot of you know fear porn so we want to make it fun so we're gonna you know make um conspiracy fun again yes uh -uh, something that's like good that. no that's good i, I don't want to give away too much but there there's there's going to be some some lulls variety is necessary and um i i've seen this i've seen this coming a long way now um it's just there's there's so many places to to get the same conversations from slightly different angles on the same old fucking stories and i think it's it behooves everybody to try to uh, reconnect with something a little bit more evergreen a little bit more lasting and and probably you know just get a couple of laughs out of it you know that's a it's a good thing that you're doing that i can't wait to learn more thank you uh jim lee climateviewer.com i'll talk to you soon buddy Hey, man, I brag about you every time I get the chance, dude. All right. Well, I love you mean, brother. I love you, too. Be well. Later, dude. Take care. All right. He brags about me. That makes me feel good. Jim, I I tell you, I have a, I have a couple friends like, of Jim, like Jim as far as origin stories go. Jim, I heard for the first time on Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. I said, this guy is great. This is years ago. This guy is great. I got to try to see where he is online because obviously he, he must do personal work. And, uh, and that's how I found him. I found that, that was the first example of, uh, of reaching out to somebody and, and actually it, it turning into a, a really nice friendship. And, you know, he's been there for me in a pinch. You remember that night? You remember that night that I uh, the other night it was the Thursday night when um, George was on with me and Razor Fist um, before Razor Fist came on and we were talking to George about the last time he was in the studio like actually on the show it was that night with Chrissy Mayer and, and Frank Pellegrino and I said that we started late that night because we had a full fledged technological meltdown over here okay it was Jim. It was Jim with a migraine, with a raging migraine. He was on the phone with me. Uh, you know, I can't even explain what the problem was. It was so severe that if I didn't have people like that in my life that were willing to come on with me in a pinch, you know, I could, you know, 
show some, you know, uh, gratitude later on. Sexual favors with Jim. He he doesn't take money. He only wants sexual favors. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's just, uh, he's a good guy. Good guy. Glad to have him around. I'm trying to find that video of Lauren, that Lauren sent me with the, the ketamine. But um, I can't find it anywhere. That was a hoot. It really was. All right, let's get into our Super Chats, make sure that we get it all. All right, going up here. Joe M., great show, thank you. Uh, Black Coy says, you go, Frank, can't wait for Jim Lee. Paulie9363, isn't the Pope from Argentina? Indeed. And uh, Millet called him a, uh, a communist puke or something like that. And, of course, the American media didn't. They were like, ugh. <laughs> because of course it's the first pope that they like because he is a p- communist puke you know if, if it was uh, any other pope that is even slightly more conservative and traditional they would be like well <laughs> anyway uh, Zoso dude Charleston Heston in Wayne's World rocks oh uh, w- working at the gas station where'd that come from so-called Patriot says, my milkshake brings all the IDF boys to the yard. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Uh, Braves Piano. Braves Piano 29, thank you. And Zsa Kapow bought a three-month bronze tier subscription. And now Zsa is going to be in on Sunday streams for the next four Sundays. Um, and then if we had, I mean, there's other things there, too. But they are a sponsor. That's how it works. I accept pilled sponsorships as well. And you and remember, for anybody who is a foxhole, frankly, and has a monthly sponsorship through foxhole or pilled, uh, remember all of your Sunday stream links come to your direct message box on pilled.net. So if you don't know where that's been, it's it, it's right there. Uh, the same thing with the book the uh, book club stuff. Another great show says Brew Bark. I appreciate you all. It is time to release the scratching, if I can just find it now. There we go. Away it goes. Thank you, guys and gals. Thank you, guys and gals. Never hesitate to dump those gold pills. It helps the, the network in a great way. All right. That's all I have. Thank you to Jay Brits and Stostube and all the rest. And tomorrow is another day. It's Tuesday. It'll be a little bit of a short show because it is band practice trying to figure out if I can get that moved to 9 o'clock too in 2024 it's just we're dealing with so many other people and they're waking up earlier than I do and it's tough it's tough but at least you know in 2024 book club is not going to impede on um, on the show in any way shape or form like it did this year but I, I think it all worked out one way or another and I appreciate you all have a good night you know where to find me quite frankly Super chat, quite frankly, uh, podcast at gmail.com. You can send a super chat overnight, quite frankly, superchat.com. I'll read that tomorrow. But if you are watching right now live, then you're watching only in one place, and that is on Foxhole. That's pill.net. That is on quite frankly.tv. Don't go anywhere because it's Monday night. I don't know what we have coming up next with the after hours, but it's going to kick in as soon as I kick out. So I'll see you soon. Enjoy the rest of the evening, and until tomorrow, keep those pants off. They only make you itchy. Fuck.
catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film for our live studio audience. And now our super chatters. As I said before, Jay Brits and Stostube into Arts, Art Bell's Farts Smell. Thank you for that last night. And to all of our friends across all the websites, we love you. And whether you're watching live or on demand, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you next year. Good night. <laughs>